Well, praise God. I'm glad y'all are here this morning. Look at the person beside you and say, way to go. You made it to church. You know, you didn't just take last week being Easter and say, well, we went on Easter, so we don't have to go. No, praise God. I'm glad you're here. I'm going to preach the best message I've ever preached in my life today. I can guarantee you. And um, you better take some notes. It's so good that I just may preach it for like three weeks in a row, the exact same message. Act like I've never told you before. Step up here and start it all over again until you finally get this, but... Praise God. So uh, get your Bibles out and turn, if you would, to John 8, 14. I was listening to a, a, a video the other day, and a person said something on it, and it sparked something on the inside of me. He was talking about successful people and uh, definitions of successful people. And, and I wrote this down because I just feel like it was just inspired by the Holy Spirit. And I said, a definition of a successful person. Okay, this is my definition. I took part of what he said, inspired by what the Holy Ghost said, came up with my own deal, okay? But a definition of a successful person is you know who you are and you know where you're going. Because you see, success can't be measured by dollars. It can't be measured by power. It can't be measured by, you know, uh, earthly things. Because you can be the wealthiest person on the face of the earth and be miserable, right? You can have... You can be the poorest person on the face of the earth and be miserable. But a successful person is a person that knows who they are and they know where they're going. In John 8, 14, Jesus said, Jesus answered and he said to them, Even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. Now, he said it a little differently. He said, I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But I'm saying, do you know who you are and where you're going? That's the title of this message. Where are you going? He said, but you did not know where I came from. You don't know where I'm going. So what defines you? I'm asking you a question. I'm not expecting a response. You can answer yourself in your head. What defines you in life of who you are? What defines you in life? Does, is it just your experiences in life define you? How about your trauma in life? Is that what defines you? You used to be a happy person and now you're not because some trauma happened. How about your environment? Is that what defines you in life? The way you were raised and what you grew up in and how your mama was and your grandmama was and, and, and your daddy was. And is that what defines you in life? Your environment? That's who you've become? That's who you are because of your environment? And then this, how about your ancestry? You know, is that what's defined you? Because everybody in the family was a certain way, so you got to be a certain way. Is that what's defined you in life? What has defined you in life? If you just knew who you are. And so I'm going to try to help you find yourself today. I want to, I want to, I want to help you find yourself today so that you can say who you are in life, all right? All right, so here we go. Here we go. Go to John chapter 3, verse 5. You see, there's so many people in life today that they're just living a life as a victim. They're a victim of their circumstances. They're a victim of their life experience. They're a victim of, of, of what has happened to them in life, and it's defined them. And I'm trying to get you to understand this morning. You are not who you are by what's happened to you in life. You are who you are because you know who you are, and I want to show you who you're supposed to be. In John chapter 3, verse 5, Jesus answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said unto you, you must be born again. Now, folks, this term born again is so, you know, it's so misused, but it's so misunderstood also. And so when, when 
When a person doesn't have a relationship with Jesus, does not know Jesus, that person is in a position that we call lost. Because we say you're found when you find Jesus. So you say we're lost, okay? But the truth of the matter is, they're in just the state that, that, that every man has been born into, into this world and into this world system, okay? And they're just a part of the world, the, curse, the, the course of this world, the Bible calls it. They're just, just like they're relating to their father, Adam, okay? You want to call it the flesh, you can call it the flesh, you can call it whatever you want to. But the bottom line is they're just acting normal. So normal to them is, because they live in, the, in this world, normal to them is to cheat, to lie, and to steal, and do whatever it takes. There's other people that have some good morals. I know some people that don't know Jesus, but they have a, a high moral value in life. And so therefore, they don't do things that are wrong, and they act sometimes more like Christians than Christians act. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, we, I think we all know some people like that, right? You got old sister so-and-so over there, but you know, her, her middle name's Bucket Mouth, you know? You got old brother so-and-so over there, but you know, he's just, middle name is Hellfire and Damnation. You know, there's this condemnation, you know, and this, it's just all wrong. And then you got somebody else who's just a nice person, but they might not have a relationship with Jesus because somehow in their environment and in their world, but in this, in this world, the world's wise, their parents, their grandparents, whoever injected into them a high value of morals. Okay, but Jesus said a person, if you're going to have a relationship with him, if you're going to go in and become a Christian, then you have to be born again. So born again means you once were born, but now you're born again. So then the being the born again takes precedent over the preborn. I got you confused, right? You're born again. You used to be here born. Now you're not there born. You're here born. You've been born again. The old man's dead. You're born again. You're starting over, right? Okay. So in Christ, in Jesus, then we get born again into a new life, new parents. So what are you talking about? How can that be? No, God becomes my father. Jesus, my brother. Second Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things have passed away and, and, and behold, all things have become new. It's, a, it's being born again. So when you're born again, it starts to define you on who you are. Because you're born again, and this is where Christians get it messed up. I am a child of God. I am born again. I'm talking to me. I got saved. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. That's who, my, that's who I am. The old man's dead. The Robert that did all those other things, he's gone. It's a new man, and I've been born again. And so who I am is not I'm Robert. That's not who I am. That's my name. You hear what I'm saying? That's, that's my name. That's not who I am. I'm a pastor. That's still not who I am. That's what I do. I came from a, a ranching family, but that's not who I am. That's what they did. That's my environment I was raised in. But it's who am I? Well, I'll tell you who I am. I'm Robert Richards. I'm born again. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus. My sins are forgiven. And I know where I'm headed. I'm headed to heaven. So I know who I am, and I know where I'm going. Everybody's like, Hey, this is the best message you ever were going to preach. We all know this. No, you think about what I'm saying here. Folks, listen to me. There's a lot of people in the world that claim that them to be Christians. But yet they're not taking the, the revelation that they, that, that it, it, it is as if they're living in the world, acting like the world, doing and trying to function in the world as a member of the world, but yet then having another little box over here of Christianity 
And then they use that to help try to fit into the, the, to the mix over here. And they're pulling out a little Christianity and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of world and a little bit of Christianity and a little bit of world and going through there. And then when things are going good in the world, they're happy. But then when things go bad, they get mad because God's not doing something for them. You got to know who you are. And you got to know where you're going. And so I'm asking you today, then what's defining you? So if you're a Christian, you're born again, then that's what should be the confession coming out of your mouth every day. I'm born again. I'm a child of God. Galatians 4, 6, my spirit cries out, Abba, Father. This is who I am. This is my identity. I am a child of God. I cannot be separated from his love. Because you see what's going to happen, and I'm going to show you this in just a second. The enemy is going to want to steal that from you. He's going to work very, very hard to steal that from you. Now, that's who you are, and where you're going is heaven. And how you're going to get there is through Jesus, because John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life, right? Jesus is the way. There's, that's how you get from knowing who you are to where you're going is through Jesus. Now, that's a complicated process. That's the whole entire life of you on this earth. That walk is. All right? But you know who you are. You know where you're going. And now Jesus is making a way for you to get there. And it's a walk. It's a walk of faith. Okay? Now, the Bible says in Isaiah 66, 1, it says, Thus saith the Lord, heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool, and, and where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest for all those things my hands have made? And all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one I will look on. Him who is poor, who is, uh, is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. God says that a person who trembles at his word, or, or, or now you're a child of God, but you really want to do what daddy says to do. So, so you're, you're like hanging on to every word that your daddy says. Because you want to walk in it. You want to please your father, right? God says, I, li I like looking on that one, and I take pleasure in that one because I I'm trembling at his word. I'm saying, oh, Lord, what do you want to say? Today, nobody wants to listen to the word of God because the word of God doesn't fit into the course of this world that they're walking in. And you cannot have it both ways. It's one way or the other. Either you're saved or you're not. And I don't care how you want to, 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 to take it and, 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 and twist it around and, and, and how you want to, uh, you know, say, well, you know, well, we just don't really believe that part. You know, well, you, it's all. You either believe it all or you believe none. Come on. Okay. Now, I want you to go to Mark 4.13. I want to show you. The, we're going to look at the parable of the sower this morning, and I know that you probably know this one. And, you're, again, you're going to say, really? But I'm going to give it to you a different light this morning. In Mark 4.13... When Jesus is talking the parable of the sower, he said to him then, do you not understand this parable? He's talking about the parable of the sower. He said, then how will you understand all the parables? So there's a key to understanding this story that Jesus told his disciples and the people there that day about the parable of the sower. There's, there's something to understand. There's a principle to get here. And if you don't get this principle, he said, if you don't understand this principle, you're not going to really understand anything else. Now, you know, like right now in my, in my daily reading, I, I, I'm, I'm over in the book of Leviticus. So, you know, there, there, I get a few rah-rahs out of Leviticus, but sometimes Leviticus is pretty difficult to read. You're just reading through this thing, of how you're going to kill this bird and do this and that and the other. I'm just reading this like, 
And so I'm just reading through there, and I don't really, I'm having to pray for the spiritual understanding of, you know, come on, God, give me something out of this. I'm reading it, but, it, you know, it's not too rah-rah, okay? But I still know that God has keys and understandings in there, so I want them. But he says, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand any of it, even like you, how difficult Leviticus could be. You're not even going to understand the simple things if you don't get this down. So I want to read the parable of the sower. I don't want to go through it, but I want to go through it out of the book of Matthew instead of Mark. So Matthew 13. So who are you? I say, who are you? Oh, that's good. A few of you are getting it. Somebody's like, I don't know. Matthew 13, I want to start in verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. And some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was dried up, they were scorching because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell on thorns, and the thorns sprang up, and it choked them. And others fell on good ground, and it yielded a crop. Some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? Then going down to verse 18, Jesus then, is it, the, the, the disciples are saying, like, hey, what are you talking about? And so he explains it to them. So verse 18 is where he picks up explaining it to them. So he says, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. Now, some of the translations say the king, when anyone hears the word of God. Or when, and, and other ones say when anyone hears the word. Okay. And does not understand it. Then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. Now Mark's gospel says immediately. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. He who receives the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arise because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorn is he who hears the word. The cares of the world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground is he who hears the word and understands it. And indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold and some 30, some 60 and some 30. Okay, the first guy, the first one that sowed on the, on the wayside, it says he doesn't understand it. If you go look up the Greek word for what it means, means to understand it's simply the word that he did not comprehend it, okay? He didn't comprehend it. But if you, you look at it a little deeper, it means he didn't get it. It literally says that in the Webster's Dictionary. It says he didn't get it. Are able to bring it together, okay? So he heard the word, but he couldn't grasp it. It, it didn't make sense to him. It didn't have significance. It didn't have meaning to it. He heard the word. And it, the word came, and he heard it. wasn't a problem on the hearing. He heard it, but he couldn't grasp it. He couldn't take it into his heart. Or he simply just didn't want to do it. And the Holy Ghost taps on your shoulder, and he's telling you don't do something or trying to bring you correction, and you just don't want to listen to him. You're like, oh, that must be me. Hello? 
He said that person that doesn't understand it, doesn't comprehend it, doesn't get it, immediately the enemy steals it from him because he doesn't think it's worth anything. It's of no value. He can't comprehend it. How many revelations to you good Christian people has God spoken and given to you in life that you let it go, you, you, you forgot it, got stolen from you somewhere? All of us have. You'd be a liar to say you wouldn't. Someday there was something you read it in the Bible, and man, whoo, that blessed you. It made you feel so happy. You're ah, yeah, look at this. And then, you know, a month later, through the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches or the whatever coming against you or those problems or this trauma, then you're like, what was that word I was so happy about before? Lord, where is it? I want to show you how to keep that from happening to you, but right now I just want you to understand that happens to all of us. And the most important thing we can do is learn to comprehend, to comprehend the word. The second guy, it says he, he stumbled, but if you look up the word in like King James, it says they're offended. And if you look deeper into it, it means literally they began to distrust, to distrust people. It says to cause a person to begin to distrust, to distrust one whom he ought to trust and obey. That's what it means. In other words, it's one of those times and instances where the enemy comes into your life and tries to say, look, God's not doing what he said he'd do. See, we don't realize at times that we have this much demonic activity going on in our lives. Until you begin to realize that the devil is trying to pound the word out of you every day that you're putting word in you. Now, if you got no word in you, he ain't working on you. But if you're trying to learn the word or grow with Jesus or do anything, every time you get a revelation, the enemy's trying to steal it. Because all of us fall into one of those four categories at all times. So the minute you're getting word, he says, so today what I'm preaching to you, when you walk out that door, or maybe he's already trying right now immediately to steal it from you. But as I'm preaching the word to you, you're hearing the word. He's trying to figure out how he can get you not to understand this. Now, just listen to me. Oh, gosh, this is so good. So he's working on you right now, like some of you. And, and for heaven's sakes, don't look down or do anything because then we'll know it was you. But he's working on you right now. I'm telling you, he's working on you right now. Some of you right now to say, okay, preacher, come on. You know, I mean, I got things to do. It's getting later. And, you know, you carry on that message faster and, we don't really, we, we know about the story. Yeah, so you we were on stony ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how he's working on you right now to get you to just not pay any attention. Or to say, yeah, I remember one time, you know, I got that message and I understand that God spoke to me. And you're just kind of casting it off. You're just not holding it, taking it dear. Or maybe you are so bombarded right now with thoughts. You're so bombarded with thoughts right now that you can't really focus on what's being said. That is demonic activity. That is the devil trying to steal the word from you right now. That's what's taking place. So you don't have to have old Slewfoot running through here with the pitchfork to say, that's a devil. No, I'm telling you, he's working on us all the time. So this person, this second person, he, he, he was trying to get him into a place where he distrusted God. Distrusted that the word would work. Distrusted that, you know, it's not really going to come to pass. Well, I knew I shouldn't have been putting my hopes in that. You know, I'm just going to have to go back over here to the world system and work it out. The third person, it says that the cares of the world came in and it, it choked the word. And the word literally means to suffocate. So that you got your fault, nobody's fault, whoever's fault, doesn't matter. 
But you got so bombarded with the cares of the world, whether it's work or relationships or, or whatever. Not your fault. You're not a horrible sinner because you got overwhelmed with, with, with the, the situations. But you got overwhelmed into where you're so caught up in everything going on around you that you can't even take time to read the word, stay in the word, have a relationship with Jesus because you're just either you're fighting or struggling or pushing or, 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 or something at every moment just trying to keep your head above water. One thing I learned a long time ago, the more stuff you have, the more responsibility you have. And so <clears throat> I try to keep that in mind. I don't want more stuff. It just means I got more stuff I got to do. And the older I get, there was a time where, man, I liked having just everything going a million miles an hour. Now I'm like, just everybody just leave me alone. Just want to sit on the porch and watch the sunset. And so my point is, is that this happens to all of us. Again, you're not a horrible sinner because this happens to you. I'm just trying to make us aware today. I'm trying to get you to comprehend. I'm trying to get you to open your eyes and your understanding and understand this is a tactic of the enemy to do one thing, steal the word out of your life. So why does he want to steal the word? Because Isaiah 55, 11 says it's only the word that's going to work. The word of God goes forth. It's created the worlds. It's created everything. It's made everything. And it's never going to return back void. It's always going to accomplish everything it's sent out to do. He knows that when God said something, he's going to do it. And if you believe it and your faith is in it, it's going to happen. But if you get hold of that word, then the devil loses. So he's absolutely set on taking the word from you. That's what he wants to steal. He knows it's the catalyst that faith, our faith in God's word moves mountains. But if we can just get tripped up, the littlest bit to cause our faith to get off, to just cause us to distrust, to just cause us to really not have wholehearted faith, then we're not, it's not going to happen. And that's what the devil wants is for to kill, to steal, to destroy. We're in a war. We're always in a war. It's always happening. The only way you cannot be in the middle of the war is to join the devil. And then he's going to ruin your life anyway. Hello? He's a terrorist. You know, I, I was watching this, this, this documentary on, and it was, a, it was a plane hijacking. And it was showing how it was done and what the terrorists did. And they would just get people out of the seats and they would take them up to the front of the plane, open up the front of the plane and shoot one of them and let him fall out of the plane. And they were doing this and, and they would go back to get another one and that person would just kind of fold up all their stuff and just go with them and then go over there and they'd open up the door and he'd, they'd see the dead body, boom, they'd shoot that one, he'd fall out. And I thought to myself, you know, I just can't believe that people sat on a plane. There's like 170 people on the plane, four terrorists. They had guns, yes, but... I think I could have poked somebody's eye out before, you know, if 170 has charged them all at one time. And, and I just can't believe people would just be literally like lambs to the slaughter just going out there and doing that and nobody fights back. They had to drag me out of that chair. Nothing else. Hello? I had to fought all the way down there like a wildcat. Finally, somebody said, shoot him right there, man. This guy's going to hurt one of us. I mean, there's no way I'd have done that. But yet we got Christians who are doing the same thing, just following the devil out to the front, going down a road in a path. Yeah, this doesn't look good. looks dark and scary. I don't know if I'm going to make it. Boom! Devil takes them out. And they ain't got no sense. And they just keep doing it. They just keep getting up from their chairs. They just keep walking down the path. And I'm like, that is not going to produce victory. What are you talking about? 
But they do it over and over again. Why? Because the devil steals a word. He's suffocating them. All right. He's, he's, he's in there. They can't breathe. They don't know what to do. He's suffocating them. Right. He's causing them to distrust everything. And then there's others that just can't comprehend it. That's his tactic. You've got to get smart in this. You've got to get so sharp in this that every time this is coming into your life, you recognize it. You see it and say, no, 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 no. You're a lying devil. You're trying to steal from me. You're trying to steal the word out of me. Just get out of here. And if you catch it and you stop it, when that little something's flaring up on the inside of you and you want to get mad, you want to throw down and just cuss oh so-and-so. And you just say, nope, I see what you're doing. I see this. I see what you're doing here, devil. Yeah, you're trying to get me over here because you're going to get me out of sorts. This is what you're doing. Now, see, you're comprehending. You're understanding. And the person who says it comprehends and understands says that person's going to have fruit, going to abound 160, 30-fold in their life. Now, let's just show, let me show you an example so you don't feel so bad if you're in this. Go to Acts 26.9. Acts 26.9. Let's look at the Apostle Paul's life. Is this making sense to you? The Apostle Paul speaking here is this when he's given his discourse in front of uh, uh, King Agrippa there. And he says, indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This I also did in Jerusalem and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them and I punished them often in every synagogue, compelled them to blaspheme and being exceedingly enraged against them. I persecuted them even into foreign cities. That's the. That's what the Apostle Paul said, that before he was born again, he did. Right? Do you know that the Apostle Paul was a Pharisee? And that because he was a Pharisee, in order to be a Pharisee, he had to be able to read the Bible forwards and backwards. The first five books. Memorized. So wouldn't you say that he had the word? Wouldn't you say he had a lot of word? But he had a lot of word, but he had it in him, but it wasn't doing him any good because he didn't ever comprehend it. So just because you say, oh, I'm a Christian and I know the word, but that doesn't mean it's having any effect in your life because you never comprehended it. Oh, you may die and go to heaven. I'm not going to take that away from you. But I'm just saying you're going to have no victory down here. You're not going to bear any fruit. You're not going to help anybody else find Jesus. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be grumpy and gripey and, and act like a devil most of the time anyway. Hello? Just because you, you know the word doesn't mean you comprehended it. You can quote scripture. The devil quoted scripture. The devil quoted Psalms 91 to Jesus. Right? So just because you know scripture, know what it says, doesn't mean that you have comprehended it, that it's a revelation to you, that you understand it, and that it's defining you of who you are. Because I'm telling you, if you know who you are, you know where you're going, you'll be successful. Ephesians chapter 2 Verse 2 is a scripture. It says, For once you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. So there is a course of this world. You've got to understand, the world has a way to it. I don't know what we want to call it. Maybe a system. The world has a system, a world system. And this is a way that everyone functions in this world. Y'all with me? It's... It's a natural course of this world to just fight for what's yours, to not walk in love, to not give, to not be generous, to 
You, know, you see what I'm saying? This is just a natural course of the world. But you've been born again, and you know who you are. And it's defining you that you're a child of God. And you're going to have to walk like a child of God and be like a child of God. And you have an example set before you. His name's Jesus. And he's your elder brother. And we're supposed to act like the family. Hello? Okay. So you can't live and take part of this world system and part of Christianity and try to mix it together and come up with your own stuff. You know, I don't know if I ever told you all this one, but um, Sister Annie told me a story one time that, you know, all over Mexico, that that's what happened is that the, the, the years and years and years ago when uh, all the Spaniards came through and everything and they brought a priest with them and then the priest tried to convert the Indians, but it was all like just a, there was no real conversion. It was just a mass deal. And then the Indians kept part of their culture and their rituals and kind of mixed it in with Catholicism. And then they just kind of came up with their own ways of doing stuff. And, and so everything was a little strange. Well, well, uh, Sister Annie told me this story that they went up one time up into the mountains and there was this village up there that no one had ever heard the gospel. And so they started preaching there. Uh, and then they found another little section of people over there that, wait a minute, these people have a church built. And they're like, what? they got a church. And so they went over there to the church and went in the church. They're talking to people and everything. And so everybody seemed like they, like they had a, a, a somewhat of an understanding of the gospel. And, and so they began to preach and began to encourage people and everything and say, oh, please come and, and you know, be with us in our worship time and we're going to have a service. And they said, okay, so we went in the worship time. And so when, the worship, when they started the music and they started worshiping, these people were worshiping, but they were just throwing up their hands and worshiping, but they were cussing like sailors while worshiping. Like they were using cuss words as descriptive adjectives for God. You know, God, they're worshiping. Say, you are the most blah, 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 blah. No, God is bigger than you. Blah, 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 blah. And they're just like looking like, like what? How can this, what is happening, you know? How do these people, they seem sincere. They're crying. <laughs> and they're just crying and worshiping God, cussing like sailors. And so later they, you know, like they were like, we need to figure out what's going on here. And so they started talking to the people and they said, well, yeah, well, we all spoke a, we spoke our Indian dialect, and we didn't. We, we only learned Spanish, you know, just like 10 years ago. He said, well, how'd y'all learn Spanish? He said, well, there was a man who, well, he was at the time running from the police, and so he came to our village, and he stayed here, and he taught us Spanish. <laughs> so this guy just taught him. Man, I mean, she said they were like, they were like, it was like, actually kind of unbelievable because of the way they were using the language to talk about how great God was and how big he was. And she said, man, it was descriptive, you know, and then realized that they were sincere in their hearts. But that's the way they learned. That's the adjectives they learned from this man who taught them wrong. And, and when she was telling me the story at the time, I thought about, oh, my gosh, how many Christians have learned wrong to walk in their faith wrong? And they haven't adhered to the word of God. And they mix a little of this with a little of that. And they got all this all, you know, a little of the world system, a little with the other system. And we're going to do it this way. I heard a person say to me the other day, he didn't say it to me. He was talking to somebody else. And I heard him say, yeah, you know, well, you know, I'm trusting and believing in God. But you know, God says God helps those that help themselves. That's what I said, Ben Franklin. You got it from Ben Franklin. Let's just hold on. That's not in the word. Sounds good. You might try to work that principle up. But Ben Franklin said that Jesus did not. So you mix a little bit, right? 
So we have to be disciples because a disciple is a learner. And if we want to walk in the ways of God and don't want to get it stolen from us like the sower, the parable of the sower, we don't want to get the words. We've got to be disciples. And a disciple is simply a learner. That's all a disciple is, is a learner. If you want to be, if you want to go, if you want to stand up and say, this is what, this is who I am. I am, I am a born again child of God, washed in the blood of Jesus, and I am a disciple. You'd be on the right path. That's who, that's who you are, right? And where you're going is to heaven, and you've got a long walk to get there, and you've got to learn, and you've got to grow, and you've got to understand how to apply then the word to your life. But a disciple, a disciple is nothing but a learner. And so you've got to learn, okay? In John 8, 31, Jesus said, uh, he said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word my, and you are my disciples indeed, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus said it. He said, right here, I'm going to, I can make you alive, but you've got to learn my word, and then that's going to come inside of you, and it's going to set you free, right? Yeah, now listen, learn the word. you got to comprehend the word, not just know the word. There's a difference, right? Because the ones that didn't comprehend, what happened? Stolen from. John 6, 63, it said, It's the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to, there's spirit in the life. The word, y'all, I preach this a million times. It's a living word. It has an ability to get on the inside of you and change you. It's the only way I know to live. The only way I know to do is to get up every morning and walk outside and look up in the stars and pray and say, Jesus, I thank you this morning. I am a child of God, born again, washed in the blood of Jesus. I thank you this morning, Father, you are my heavenly Father. I declare that Galatians 4, 6 says that the Spirit of God on the inside of me cries out, Abba, Father, Father, I just praise you. This is who I am. I'm your child here this morning. If I don't do that, somewhere along that day, the lying devil's going to come in there and convince me that I'm nobody but Robert, that there, there is nothing except my strength to get me through the day, He's going to come in there and he's going to tell me that nobody likes me. My dog doesn't like me. Nobody cares about me. Why should I live life? People don't matter. Forget the whole thing. That's what's going to happen. Folks, you know, just like you, I'm not, I'm not any different than you. I had to pull my britches on leg, one leg at a time. I tried jumping in with both. It don't work. And nowadays, i got to be over there and have to lean up on the side of the bed to get one of them on, you know? I don't even trust standing there on one foot. I just literally almost ended my life the other day. Hung my foot in a pair of shorts, went forward, just almost crashed my head right into the sink lavatory. And I said, good Lord, I'm going to kill myself just trying to get my shorts on. I mean, it's an ugly way to die. What happened to him? I was trying to put his shorts on. Well, and hit his head on the sink. He's dead. I mean, there ain't no glory in that. Hey, you can't find glory in that. You can't twist it to find glory in that, all right? But my point is, is that this is the way it works, okay? And the Spirit's going to bring life. Now, here, I'm going to give you three simple things, and I'm through. Because I'm going to preach this again next week anyway. <laughs> Until y'all say, we've got it! Be quiet! Okay, so you've got to be a disciple. You've got to be a learner. So how are you going to learn? Three simple things. You've got to get down. This is in anything. Three simple things, okay? First thing is you've got to write it down. 
You see, you wouldn't have to be sitting around trying to remember what that revelation was that God spoke to you if you had it wrote down. Now then, again, you may be the type of person that said, well, I wrote it down, but now I can't remember where I wrote it down. Well, get you one central place you write it down. Whether it's a notebook or, or your phone, I don't care how you do it. Listen, the Holy Ghost can speak through electronics. And if you're good at doing that, great. If you're like me, I got so many notes that takes me a long time to go through and search and do whatever. And I'm getting smarter because I'm putting words in there that it helps me to search them and find them. Habakkuk 2.2, the Lord said, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so you can run who reads it. you got to write it down, folks. Listen to me. You're not being a disciple if you do not take what you hear and write it down. This message that I'm saying to you today, what God is speaking to you, what, what you're getting inspired about right now, or what came to your thought, or, oh, yes, I see that. If you did not write it down, you're going to have it stolen from you. You say, oh, no, Pastor, I have a photographic memory. Yeah, right. The second thing, in Joshua 1.8, he said, The book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in here. That word meditate really means to murmur. It means, to, it means for you to talk to yourself and say it over and over again. If you don't write it down and then you don't repeat it over and over, you're not going to get it. You see, I, I, like I'm trying to get more digital. And so I have all of my, all of my scriptures, all the scriptures over the, the 38 years of me reading my Bible that jump out to me and illuminate to me, I have them written down. I used to have them written down in a notebook. Then I went through the notebook, and I got it into my phone, and I made pages, and I put them in there. Then I've got page one, then i got page 1A, then i got page uh, I mean 1B and 1C, and, and I have all this stuff in here. I understand the system. I know what it is. But I, I, I've got these, and i still got the original book, and I go through it, and I look at them, and sometimes I say, man, I have been, I've been forgetting that one. I hadn't been speaking that one. I hadn't been quoting that one. I hadn't been saying anything. Oh, forgive me, Lord. I start another page. Then I, got, then I got titles, power scriptures, purpose scriptures, healing scriptures. It's all in there. All I got to do is sit down and go through it. And I say it over and over again. And sometimes, I'll be honest with you, I'm speaking it out of my mouth. And I'm like, yes, that is good, Lord. Thank you. And other times I'm looking at it and I'm saying, yes, Lord, let it happen. Not quite as much faith to it. You know why? Because somewhere the devil's been chiseling at me. Somewhere he's been trying to suffocate me. Somewhere he's been trying to get me to distrust. He's been whittling at me. Maybe I've got over here and been complaining or murmuring or griping or, or listening to the voice of the enemy just tear me down to where I'm not on, on as sharp as I should be. There's other mornings I walk out. The other, a person the other day texted me while in the middle, I was in the middle of prayer. And they, they texted me and said, hey, you know, can you pray for this? And I said, in the throne room, we'll get it done. Because I was praying. I was standing out in front of the stars, and it's me and God. And I tell you, I was in the throne with all the saints. I felt it. I was there. I was standing on holy ground out in the front of my yard. But there's other mornings I'm out there just throwing the ball at the dog. I got to admit it. But you know what? I'm still going through the routine. I never stop. I wouldn't give the devil satisfaction. I'll be out there maybe some mornings praying and saying, Lord, I don't feel like praying at all. I feel like shooting something, but bless, bless God, I'm out here because I know this is the right thing to do. And I'm just talking to you this morning, Lord, you know it. You know right now I could just, I could just twist off 
and go nuts. But I'm not going to. I'm telling you, devil, you're a liar. I plead the blood of Jesus. I tell you, devil, you're a liar. Uh Uh-uh, you ain't going to win. You're not going to win. You may think you got me. You sucker punch me. You sorry, no good for nothing, scum hawk. You're going to burn in hell forever. You're going to fry. You're going to sizzle like a sausage in the pit of hell. You're going to get tired of smelling smoke in your nostrils. I'm going to heaven. I won't be sitting up in heaven. I don't know what you're doing. Bless God. I'm going to be eating at the lamb supper, the marriage supper of the lamb. I'm going to be sitting there drink, eating lamb, drinking wine, or doing whatever we're doing. And I tell you what, you're going to be burning in hell. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. You're going to burn. That may be how my prayer is going because I'm just frustrated. But I'm still making forward progress. Hello? If you don't keep repeating it over and over and get a habit of it, keep beating it out, the devil's just going to, he knows. Okay, one more time, they'll fall. Just, just hit them one more. Just one more arrow. Come on, just shoot one more, and they're going to fall. You can see. We know. They're only good for three. Fourth one always takes them down. And then the third thing, the third thing, okay, is that you have to, let me just read this scripture to you first. Acts 5.19. He said, but at night the angel opened up the prison doors, brought them out, and said, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. The third thing is, is you have to tell someone. Listen to me. If you don't develop a relationship where you can sit down and talk to your spouse, to your neighbor about the word, you're going to lose it. You'll lose it. But if you can sit down and talk to your neighbor about it and say, man, I was reading the Bible the other day, and you know what Jesus said? He said this. Oh, man, that's becoming a part of you because you're able to tell somebody. I'm not talking about a word of prophecy going over to your neighbor's house and, hey, hey, that's it, the Lord. Yeah. I'm talking about just sharing what the revelations that God is speaking to you with someone. That's why you have to have relationships. You have to have friendships. That's why you got to do that. My wife and I sit there every morning drinking coffee, sharing the word that we're reading. And some mornings, both of us are not the spryest in the world and and, and it's pretty short and not too much, but we read through our Bibles and we talked about it. And then other mornings, it's rich. Other mornings, she's giving me. I said, man, preach it, sweetie. Come on. I'm going to use that. I'm taking notes. Are you following me here? You got to write it down. Then you got to repeat it. And then you got to tell somebody. And if you do that, then you begin to not be stolen from. You begin to understand the principles of the sower. You will not be stolen from. You will get to the place where you're developing fruit, fruits abounding in your life. You're reaping a hundredfold return on everything you're doing. And you, you can catch it. After a while, you'll just catch it up and say, you're a liar. There you are. You're lying. You're lying. That's not true. That's not the truth. That's not what's right. No, that's not what's right. I know who I am. I'm a child of God. I've been born again. I'm washing the blood of Jesus. I, my, my sins are all gone. They're forgiven. The past. You can't come up here and torment me with me as some old trauma or something. I've been born again. I'm not the same. And let me just give you one last scripture. 1 John 2.14. 1 John 2.14 says, I have written to you, fathers, because you have known him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the wicked one. Because the word of God abides in you, you overcome the wicked one. That's how you defeat the devil is the word of God. And see, folks, you can no longer let the devil come into your life and you stand up and say, well, I'm a child of God. I'm born again. He goes, <laughs> really? I mean, I know what you did last night. I know who you are. He say, listen to me. I've been born again. 
I think you've misheard the words. I've been born again. I have been washed in his blood. My sins are forgiven. You have no hold on me. So why are you even at the party? Who invited you? Get out of my thoughts. When the enemy, you know, like, you know how you, when you were kids, you used to make the other ones mad. They'd be saying something you didn't want to do. You just put your fingers in and you go, no, 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 no. Right? Well, that's what I do to the devil. But the way I do it is I just go, he'd just be yakking at me. I'd be trying to go to sleep at night, laying there, and I'd, something's just yakking at me. And I'd just say, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the storm. Wait a minute. The Lord Oh, he's my Lord. Yes, he's my Lord. He's not your Lord. You're going to hell. He's my Lord. And, 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 and he's the shepherd. He's the good shepherd in my life. Oh, thank you, Lord, that you're shepherding me. Shepherds lead me into green paths and beside still waters. He restores my soul. Oh, thank you that you lead me in the paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And then I stop and pause for a minute, and then the thought trust go back in there and say, Oh, I guess you did not understand it the whole time I'm laying there. I just won't open my eyes. Won't even give him thought to try to make me wake up. I just lay there. And then I said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. I guess you didn't hear that, huh? And I just keep doing it. And I do it. And I do it. And I do it until I finally go to sleep. Of course, the other night, I don't know what happened. Something happened. Thoughts started coming to me. Started trying to wake me up. I was going to quote Psalms 23. And I said, I said, how did I tie it all up? I got it so messed up. It was so messed up. Something like our Father who wore it in heaven. Uh, this is, that's what I was doing. I was trying to quote Psalms 23, but I'm just in there. I said, I said our Father who wore it in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You lead me beside still waters. And, and I thought, that didn't sound right. Okay, so, you know, but it was also a good word, but I just was kind of mixing it all up there. That's how you overcome the wicked one. So I pray that today you understand the parable of the sower and what's taking place more than you ever have before. You grab hold of this revelation and you can hang on to it because, folks, this is the first one you have to understand because if you understand it, then you're going to be victorious in every other thing. Amen? So look at the person beside you and say, I think you got it. And stand to your feet if you would. I just want you to know Today, can I have my prayer team come down if y'all are here? I just want you to know, folks, whether you're out there, you're listening today, you're in here. I just want you to know. There's no shame in, in knowing that the devil's trying to steal from you. There's no shame in that. There's no shame today in knowing that you've already been stolen from. Do you hear what I'm saying? Everybody wave your hand if you hear what I'm saying. Come on. You may be sitting here this morning, and as you're listening to this or, or heard the broadcast, you may just be thinking, man, I cannot believe how much I've been lost and stolen from. Okay. That's the past. Repent and forget about it. You're starting out fresh and new today. you got to be the person that's declared today. I want you to walk out of here today, charge and say, hey, ain't no devil stealing from me. And I want to ask you and challenge you to, to, to this week to, to be observant and then share with one another What's going on? Don't keep it all inside. Say, man, that was the devil. And I saw him. I found him. He's found out. Now, even if you blew it, right? Even if you blew it, you say, well, listen, I, I see now that was him. That's okay. You're growing. You're being a disciple and a learner. That's what you're supposed to do. Amen? You're not going to get it right all the time. But we get better and better. 
the more mature that we get. And that's the purpose. So if you're out there and you're watching today or you're in here and you're watching today and you're saying, well, this is all great, but I don't know that I'm born again. I don't know that I'm right with Jesus. I don't know that, I've, uh, that I'm right with my heavenly father. I don't know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. Well, the Bible's simple. It says Jesus is the way. I told you that. He said he's the way. And there's no other way to the father except through him. And he said that if you would confess him and believe that he died for you, his blood was shed for you. He went to the cross for you so that you could have forgiveness of sins and be made right with God. Well, then that's your answer. It's Jesus. So if you're out there and you call out upon the name of Jesus, if you, if you reach your hearts out there and say, I want Jesus, I want you in my life, forgive me of my sins. He'll touch you and heal you and save you right where you are. But if you're in here this morning, we have people up here to pray with you. And, and there's no shame. Listen to me. I, I, it's exactly the opposite. I can't believe that you would hear a message like this and walk out the doors and not be assured in your heart that you're right with God. I just can't believe that. Because I'm telling you, folks, we're living too close. We have too many hard days on us right now. There's too many crazy things going on in the world. And you better know that you're right with God. So we're here to pray with you. So you can come up after the service as soon as I dismiss everybody and come up and just pray with somebody. If you have any other needs, you just want somebody to pray with you. Maybe you said, man, I see this morning the devil been stealing from me and I don't want him stealing anymore. Pray with me. Well, okay, we'll pray with you. Prayer is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not a shameful thing. It's a good thing. So I want to bless you today. So get your faith out there. I'm going to pray over you right now and I'm going to bless you. Father, I just declare right now in Jesus' name. That these people in here today, these hearing this message, grab hold of the parable of the sower. They will not be stolen from anymore. I tell you, devil, you are a liar. You're from the pit of hell, and you will not steal anymore from these people. You may try it, and I know you're going to, but you will not be successful. For today, they are armed with the knowledge of the word of God, and they defeat you. I declare this day that the, the saints are empowered to become great disciples, great learners for you, Lord. And that as they hear the word and they grow in the word, and even this week, Lord, that has continued to grow and to grow and to grow, and it's like a great floodgate of Holy Ghost water is just burst forth onto them. Places that have been dry in their lives, places that have been parched, Lord, just get a refreshing of your spirit. And that, Lord, that strength comes in them and, and vitality Lord, power begins to flow out of them to others. And Lord, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. So Lord, I just declare today that great is our God. Great is our God and great is his faithfulness. So bless them today, Lord, and pour yourself out upon them. And Lord, we just thank you for everything. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Hey, God bless you, church. We're here to pray for you if you need it.